0: Hello, and welcome to the Women Crush Wednesday's podcast from New York Women in Film and Television, where we discuss current events, feature interviews from women working in the industry, highlight accomplishments of our members, and preview upcoming NYWIFT events. I'm Jenny McGoldrick, and I'm here with my co-host, Leah Kearney.
1: Hello. I am super excited about this episode because we are changing things up this week. Um, for the past few months, you may know we've been asking you to share your stories with us, and have been featuring them on the show. And we've really enjoyed hearing about your experiences. But we thought it would only be fair if we shared some of ours. So we got our whole podcast team together.
0: And each one of us will be talking about an important, funny, or an inspiring moment from our career. I'm sure a few of their voices will be familiar to many of you. So let's welcome January Green.
1: Hey, everyone. And Kelsey Marsh. Hi. Hi. And our other member, Andrea Barb, is stepping back from the podcast right now, and we just want to take a minute to thank her for all her hard work, her great interviews, and we are very happy to introduce our newest addition, Tammy Reese. Hello, everyone. Hey,
0: so thank you so much, everyone, for getting together and taking the time. So let's get right to it. January, why don't you start us off with a lesson you learned when you were hired and training in a new job?
2: Sure, I'll be happy to. So, picture it. It was the year 2000. I was a recent college grad who just landed a job in a creative department. To say that I was excited would be an understatement, but that all changed my first week on the job. My manager happened to be on vacation that week, so she asked another writer on the team to train me. Well, that didn't go over so well. You see, my trainer sat on the opposite side of the paper-thin cubicle wall for me. The entire week, she complained to other co-workers about having to train me because she had recently trained another writer who suddenly left weeks into the job. I was miserable because each day that first week, I could hear her complaining about having to train another writer and the fact that she thought that I was going to be like the person before me and soon leave the position." When I asked her job-related questions, I was given rushed explanations. Instead of getting the much-needed training I desired, I had to deal with angry comments from someone who didn't have the decency to welcome me, the new hire, onto the job. When the manager returned the next week, I spoke to him about what happened. He said he wasn't surprised by her actions since she was so upset when the other writer left. He took over the training process, gave me the guidance I needed, and here I am two decades later at the same company. I always think of my first week on the job when I'm asked to train a new hire. I always promised myself that I would never, ever make anyone feel the way that I did. The lesson I learned is that our words and actions matter. I'm always reminded of a quote attributed to Maya Angelou, and that is, people will forget what you said, people will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel that was my first week on the job.
1: Wow. I'm sorry you had to learn it the hard way, but what a great lesson.
2: Yes. I will never forget it.
1: <laughs> you know, I, I feel like we learn uh, as much about leadership from the difficult experiences as we do from the really positive examples of leadership. Yes,
2: absolutely. Leadership, so,
1: Did you have a chance
0: in your career later on to be able to be the person who then trained or helped somebody new so you were able to take what you learned and Mm -hmm. put it into action?
2: Plenty of times. I've trained numerous writers on the job and that moment, that first week of work has always stuck with me and I've always remembered how you know you're a new employee, you're nervous, you want to get things right Uh, so I always remember that feeling and I Try to empathize with the person who's starting the new job and never want them to feel <laughs> the way I felt starting something new. So, yeah.
0: That yeah. applies so, to yeah. everyone in yeah. any type of managerial position. So that's a really, as Leah said, important lesson learned. So thank you for sharing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and next up, um, Kelsey is going to help launch our, our new segment called My First Time. Um, she's going to tell us about her first time working a freelance job. Yeah, thanks, Leah. So right out of
3: grad school, I got a staff job, which was really exciting, but soon found out that the cycle of the staff job was that I'd be doing the same responsibilities year over year. At the point I was at in my career, I really wanted to be a sponge and learn and innovate. And so I decided to take the lead and go freelance. And so I had an interview for a freelance gig and the hiring manager told me that the job was open-ended and I thought, well, that sounds lovely. (laughs) And so, you know, fast forward a few weeks, I'm being onboarded and I noticed that there is an end date on my contract, which set off a lot of alarm bells for me as someone with anxiety. So I immediately became fixated about finding the next job. Fast forward a few weeks, I land a new gig at a network, nonetheless, and when I go to tell my current employer that I'm leaving at the end of this contract, they were shocked. Apparently, as a freelancer, you're always supposed to look internally for opportunities first. No one bothered to tell me that, (laughs) which I guess does make sense now that when the hiring manager told me it was an open-ended opportunity... Regardless, I was never explicitly told, you know, what the, what the protocol is as a freelancer and how to live within and work within this lifestyle. So the lesson I learned is always promote yourself and your talents to your team first, and then look for opportunities
0: externally. So when you found that out, were you disappointed that you had to leave that company for the new job? Would you have wanted to stay? That's a great
3: question. I don't Often think about it because I don't live in a world of what ifs. You know, I made the decision to take the new job, and I didn't look back. And I honestly don't regret it because I learn something new nearly every day in every job that I take, and I feel so grateful for
0: that. Yeah, that's a great perspective to have.
1: Yeah, it's also such a great reminder that sort of feel like in so many areas we're, we're expected to know things in life as adults and yet no one's ever explained them or you know kind of trial by fire learn learn as you as you end up in the middle of a situation so it sounds like maybe that was also your first time having a contract like that right like just in general yes totally i'd never
3: seen anything like that before um and and like you said there are many instances in my adulthood that i'm you know looking for that guidebook (laughs)
1: Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing, uh, but Janine's going to take us uh, in a slightly different direction. She's going to tell us about a time she walked into an embarrassing moment.
0: Yes, it was early in my career as a junior publicist. I was working at Universal Pictures and we had a film coming out called Primary Colors, which was based on the book about Bill Clinton's candidacy for the presidency. George, the monthly political magazine run by John F. Kennedy Jr., was doing a cover story on the film. So my boss sent me down to their offices to pick up a few advanced copies before it hit the newsstands. So I went down one morning and they had an envelope waiting for me at the reception. I ripped into it because as an eager young publicist, I wanted to take a look at the story read it before I went back to the office so that I could tell my boss if there was anything negative. So as I'm standing in the lobby, reading the magazine, waiting for the elevator to open up, I hear the ding, ding, ding. And you know, when you automatically start walking into an elevator before you kind of let people off. And I walked right into somebody and I looked up to say, oh, I'm sorry. And it was John F. Kennedy Jr. Wow. He was coming to work holding his bicycle because he biked to work every day and, his, and literally walked into the middle of his chest. And as I looked up and I recognized who it was, in my mind, I went to say, oh, I am so sorry, but it came out, uh, uh, <laughs> something to that effect. I literally had no function of the human language at that moment. He kind of smiled, laughing at me. And I just stood there because I was so shocked I couldn't move. And the people from the elevator were still trying to get out and walking, you know, inching around each side of him because I was basically blocking anybody from coming off. And he said, well, at least you were reading my magazine. In return, I said, "Mm -hmm." and he smiled again and backed up and slowly walked around me as I still stood there holding the magazine in the same spot, totally in shock. It felt like it was about five to 10 minutes. I'm sure it was only maybe 10 to 20 seconds. So finally, I kind of gathered myself up, got on the elevator, started walking to the office. At this point, I'm trying to read the article, but I'm just so embarrassed by myself and so infuriated that I actually walked into John F. Kennedy Jr. and could not even say anything to the office. I gave my boss the magazine and I'm like, oh, the article looks good. I I think it's fine. I went into my office and I called my mother because sidebar, she was always a fan of his and she always felt that she was too old for him and would tell me, I want him as a son-in-law because I love him so much. So that was always the big joke. Like, oh, when are you going to marry John F. Kennedy Jr.? Even though at this time he had already gotten married, she was still holding out hope that maybe something would happen. So I had to call her up and say, Mom, I saw John F. Kennedy Jr. today. I blew my chance. I'm sorry. He's never going to become your (laughs) son-in-law. So that was one of my early embarrassing moments in my career. And I will never forget it. But he was a very, very handsome, sweet man. (laughs) He was dreamy. Uh, I can't blame you.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Did you ever run into him again after that? No,
0: no, never. This was, I believe, about a year and a half before he passed away. And I always was trying to look for a way to get back to the offices or to invite him to one of our events so that I could then turn it into a funny story. Like, oh, remember, I was the idiot girl that walked into you. It could
1: and have been the beginning I, of a rom-com.
0: Exactly. Wow. But I, I never had the chance
4: again. So, Janine, a lot of people can't say that they worked for Universal Pictures, let alone even met a Kennedy and JFK Jr. at that. So, even though it was a Bearson moment, like, what an epic. Journey so far, like that is like one of the best stories I've ever heard of my life. <laughs> I I'm lucky that for, for most of my time working as
0: an entertainment publicist, I've met a lot of high-profile people, and for the most part, I've kept my wits about me. After a while, you kind of get jaded. You don't people aren't as exciting. You you realize that yeah. actors, directors, producers—they're all people just like us,
1: even though they're famous. Well, speaking of someone who has a lot of experience interviewing, speaking with celebrities. Uh, Tammy is gonna tell us about her first time hosting a TV show. Thank you, Leah.
4: My first time I hosted a live TV show, I was 14 years old. And in the 10th grade, I was a contracted member of the media unit TV and stage production company in upstate New York from 1998 to 2006. In that time, we performed in over 60 live stage shows a year, we produced a weekly TV program that was by, for, and about teams called Rough Times Live. We produced the show at a Time Warner studio, now called Spectrum. Of course, the dots were in the building to make sure none of us young folk at the time broke anything. We all learned so fast and were so responsible. Also, we were honored to just be a part of a company who were preparing us for the industry, giving us exposure and experience at such a young age, and actually planning and creating a television show. I began as a floor director assistant, and then a character graphics operator. Then I went to a camera operator. And then the day happened. After all of that fun and training, crew position switchups, I was asked by the executive producer to host. So I hosted. I was scared out of my mind. Even though in my region, which the public access channel aired was a small region, people People could see me. It was live TV and I was 14. (laughs) I remember the words I said to this day, which was the opening of the show. If you're living through that period called adolescence, if they expect you that grown up, but they're still calling you a kid, well, this show is for you. This is Rough Times Live. The theme music played, then I introduced the guests and hosted a 30-minute live TV show. My first time was so special, memorable, and common after the show began. Yep, I hosted my first live TV show when I was 14 years old. Good times, good memories. I overcame my fear by remembering journalism was a passion of mine. And I had to strive for excellence, which was the media unit's motto. Even if I messed up on air, which I did a couple times, but I got through it. My family and my friends, all the staff, members of the company were just so proud. My advice for new hosts and media professionals is to just be yourself, know the subjects that you're speaking about and make sure your guests feel comfortable. Oh, and take lots of deep breaths before you go on air. <laughs> that is so
0: impressive. You're 14 years old and you're hosting a show and I was in my late 20s and couldn't even say I'm sorry to JFK Jr. So
1: <laughs> I, I give you props. Totally. <laughs>
4: wow, Thank, and what you. An, Thank what you.
1: Awesome program that, that created that environment where you, you guys could all, you know, have the experience of being on a professional uh, TV set and, and producing it yourselves. That what a empowering um, experience that must've been.
4: Holy was And the company was around for over 40 years. It started in 1976. An executive producer retired in 2019. And it, it just was an amazing part of upstate New York history. That's fabulous. Thank you so much. I'm so
0: impressed by you. And we're so excited. We can't wait to see what you do for us on this
1: podcast. Yeah, well, it clearly sparked your passion and launched. uh, You've gone on to interview all kinds of people for your own show. So it clearly sparked something.
0: All right. So last but certainly not least, Leah is going to tell us about a crazy, very unexpected experience she had during a commercial shoot. I cannot wait to hear this one. (laughs)
1: Well, okay. So uh, this was quite a few years ago. I had auditioned and booked this commercial. It was something in between, kind of a commercial and a short film, though, like an industrial film. I still, to this day, don't exactly know what, where they used it or where they planned to use it. This was before I joined SAG, so you know there was a lot of non-union question marks around it. I was playing a farmer. And it was like a day in the life of a farmer. And it was for a a large tractor company. The shoot was in Pennsylvania on a live dairy farm. It was a three-day shoot. Um, It was actually one of the most relaxed sets I've ever been on because it was an Italian film crew that they brought in. Um, and so what would have been probably like a half day shoot, they had booked three days for. So we just had like two hour lunches and-, and an Italian, Italian wine. It, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Afterwards, after, you know, we wrapped for the day. But so that part of it was really fun. My role was to do all the duties of a farmer. So I was filmed me mucking the stalls <laughs> and <laughs> feeding the cows. And I, I literally drove a tractor at, at one point. It was terrifying. I was driving it like in a fair, fairly narrow stall directly toward the camera. <laughs> and I was like, oh, God, I really hope there's some serious production insurance on this shoot. Because I've never driven a tractor before. Anyway, what, like maybe halfway through the shoot, we were on a break and I was up in craft services or something. And they said, Leah, Leah, get your get your boots on uh, or, and come down to the barn. I was like, oh, OK. And they're like, one of the cows just went into labor. We're going to have you deliver it. My and God. I said, uh, oh, uh, okay. I mean, <laughs> d- didn't recall that in the contract, but I, you know, I, I was game in costume. I, I got my cowboy boots on. I went into the stall. The, the cow is, is lying there, you know, heaving, breathing about to give birth. And the farmer starts coaching me <laughs> in how to <laughs> deliver it. Apparently the, the front hooves come out first and you wrap like a kind of a chain around them. And then each time the, the mama cow exhales, you give a little tug. And, <gasps> oh my God. <sighs> um, and then, uh, and, but they wanted to capture it on camera. So, uh, after my initial like Lamaze coaching from the actual farmer who was just off screen, they just rolled on me. And here I am. My heart is pounding. My adrenaline is pumping. And I'm trying to look like I do this every day. No big deal. (laughs) You know, roll up my sleeves, deliver a cow, just another day day on the farm. (laughs) I did some of the best acting of my life on that commercial because I managed to make it look like I was not shaking, uh, which I, which I was very much uh, like my heart was pounding. And, and I, anyway, that cow gave the final push. The baby came out. Uh, after the baby comes out, you have to immediately wipe, uh, you know, like rub it down, get the placenta off, get it breathing. Um, the farmer jumped in at that point and helped me with that part. Again, she stepped out of frame. They filmed me sort of like standing by the baby cow, rubbing it down. And then we cut and we moved on to the next thing. <laughs> But uh, yeah, that was one of the more unexpected onset days I've experienced in my career thus far. Uh, I now have it on my special skills on my resume: delivered a baby <laughs> cow on camera. So not too many people can say that.
0: I would have thrown up. <laughs> <laughs> that is unbelievable. And did you get to see the final real, like the final cut, and watch yourself? I found it on the director's
1: video. <laughs> Like, I don't know where it ended up uh, out in the world, but I, I was able to see a cut. I don't think it was the final cut, but I was able to see that footage. And and sure enough, there's me pulling out that cow and rubbing it down. I hope you link to that in the show.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's a good idea. Or I was going to say, once COVID is over, I think we should all get together with a bottle of wine and popcorn. And do a special. Wait, viewing. I think
1: probably you know we can we can have a private screening. I think um, <laughs> I don't know that it's you know for public consumption. I wouldn't want to get in trouble with the the company. But uh,
0: but yeah, it was uh, <laughs> it was pretty funny. So I would imagine that any of your other shoots are relatively tame and unexciting compared to just randomly delivering a cow, an animal birth. Thing. Yeah, I mean. like
1: you know, if, if you can do that, you can do just about anything. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I, I will say like, it was, it was fun. It was an adventure at the time, but there's a reason we have unions and they do protect you, you know, for like, just, I, and I was in no danger. If anything, you know, I would have wanted someone there to protect the cow. Like Kelsey was talking about with reading your contracts. Like, you know, it's kind of good to have a sense of the expectations <laughs> going in. I was going to say, you and I need
3: to do a better job about reading the <laughs> contracts. Exactly.
1: So now, no matter what job
0: anybody has, you're going to go in saying, is someone going to train me right? And or am I going to have to give birth to any farm animals <laughs>
2: during my exactly. time here? Hey, Mia, yeah, what well, was more terrifying, delivering the cow or driving the tractor trailer?
1: You know, it, it, might, it might be a tie because okay. that tractor was huge. Yeah. And that also was not in the contract. Okay. Uh, I was not aware I was going to be driving it. A stick shift <laughs> on top of everything else that, you know, it's like not an automatic. So especially driving it directly toward very expensive camera equipment. Uh, but, and people. And people. Yeah. But I, I went, I was like an old, uh, like, a, like a granny. I I drove like two miles an hour. I was, I was very, very cautious. Yeah. yeah. They, they can always speed that up in editing. Yeah, exactly.
4: Well, Leah, uh, I'm so proud of you. Uh, <laughs> awesome job. <laughs> Thank you.
1: Thank yeah. you. Well, it is a good reminder to like, I mean, even if you do read your contracts thoroughly, like this is a business where the unexpected is to be expected. So, yep. you know, like, you kind of got to, um, you know, have, a, I guess, a. it helps to have, a, I find, a sense of humor and the ability to roll with things um, when they show up differently than planned, because they usually do. Well, that's why we left
0: your story to last, because I don't think anybody could top that, <laughs> uh, at least not in this
1: episode. We're going to take a brief pause here for a sponsor, and we'll be right back after the break.
0: So before we wrap up, Leah and I usually throw out a couple recommendations, but since we got the rest of the team here, we're going to open it up to see if anybody else wants to suggest something that they've been watching or listening to
4: or reading. I would definitely recommend Judas and the Black Messiah. We got to watch the world premiere screen in our Sundance, and I highly recommend it based on a true story. Definitely check that out. And where is it available now? HBO Max. HBO
0: Max. Yeah. I've been hearing a lot of great things about that. I would recommend
3: My Octopus Teacher.
0: If you haven't I've seen it it's, on Netflix.
3: it's just so lyrically moving. And the underwater footage is beautifully filmed. Uh, there's just a lot of great things you could say about the film. Leah,
1: anything you want to throw out there? A couple things I'm looking forward to watching Regina King's One Night in Miami, you know, for the first time ever, we have three female director nominees for the Golden Globes, uh, which is the majority of uh, directing nominees. Um, You know, better late than never, I guess. But uh, yeah, (laughs) the Golden Globes did something right for a change. (laughs) Yeah, so looking forward to seeing all three of those films. Well, yeah, thanks everybody. To our listeners, we hope you enjoyed hearing our stories. And, uh, you know, we feel we all learn from shared experiences. So if we've inspired you to share one of yours, uh, send it to us.
0: Yes, next month, we will have another episode featuring your stories about working in film and television industry, along with tips or advice that you have learned when you attempted something new for our My First Time segment. So email us your submissions at communications at nywift.org. That's N-Y-W-I-F-T dot org. Attach a five-minute audio or a two-page written submission that we will narrate names and project titles can be kept anonymous.
1: And with that, thank you, Tammy. Thank you, January. Thank you, Kelsey, so much for joining us. Really a treat uh, getting to have the whole team on the, on this episode. Uh, I hope we can do it again sometime soon. Yeah. It was and a till- lot
2: of fun. Thank
1: you. Well, till we meet again, keep on crushing it.